Hello again, everyone. Welcome into Moving Up the Ladder here on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and for this episode, we're going to touch on the idea of burnout, also looking to give you some ideas on how you can avoid having this happen to you. We're going to do that today by speaking with Jason Garner. He's the former CEO of Global Music at Live Nation, which you may know is the world's largest concert promoter. He actually came out with a book called And I Breathe. It's really a cautionary tale helping to explain the best ways to prevent burnout in business. Again, something that a lot of us can relate to in some way, shape, or form. Jason, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Well, this is a subject that a lot of people, I think, at least have in the back of their minds or it comes up at some point, and it's the idea of burning out and and the stress that goes on with work. And I wanted to get your take, your experiences. Obviously, we'll touch on some things from the book as well. And that's where I wanted to start is asking you, explain the title of the book to me, And I Breathe. Where did that come from? Why is that where you went with for this book? Yeah, you know, choosing the the title for for a book, it's kind of like choosing the name for a business or, you know, or right. what your, what your brand's going to be. And so I thought long and hard about, you know, what was the singular message? My, my mentor in business, Michael Rapino, who's the CEO and president of Live Nation, he always had this process where we would take our entire business plan and before you could submit it, you had to be able to, to summarize it in one sentence. Oh, nice. And so I thought like, how do you take a, you know, a 60,000 word book, summarize it in one <laughs> sentence. And I, and I really thought dot, 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 and I breathed really kind of summarized what I was saying in the book. Like I had been on this treadmill or hamster wheel, just running, sprinting through life, holding my breath, just trying so hard to be good, you know, just trying so hard to succeed and to prove I could do it to myself and to my mom and to everybody around me. And, you know, really, really trying to be that that model of, of, uh, of the American dream. And then there came this point that I just breathed, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and I felt like that was the takeaway from my book. And, and, and I felt that people that read that title and, and, and it resonated with them were the people that, that I hope to talk to with my book. Yeah. I think that clearly does stand out as far as uh, being able to empathize with that or understand what you're saying, even just with the title there. I think it was very, very clever, very creative when it came to that. Let's touch on that briefly, the idea of, as you mentioned, you were sort of running through the race that is our careers and, and trying to do all this type of thing. But what was it that sort of stopped you in your tracks? And uh, how did you get to that point of sort of taking a step back and really reevaluating things? You know, within a really short period of time, I was involved in my second divorce and my mom was diagnosed with stomach cancer. So I, I took some time off be with my mom. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I, I kind of started going to, to a great therapist, Dr. Vera Dunn. And then my mom died. And in the last kind of two weeks of her life, you know, I was there with her continuously. And she actually died in my arms, took her last breath there in my arms. And through that process, it was kind of the first time in my life that I had stopped, that I had breathed, that I had been present to something beyond this kind of blind ambition that I really could could never describe why I was so driven, why it was so important to succeed. Mm-hmm. And as I was sitting there and as I was holding my mom, it just became clear that, that there had to be something more. You know, it wasn't that succeeding in business was bad, but that there just had to be this other side. Sure. Because my, my mom was, you know, I think my mom was 59 when she passed. Oh. And it was like, I just don't want that for myself. I don't want that for my children. I don't want my children holding me 
yeah, there'll be money in the bank account, but I, I really want to grow old with my children, with my wife, with my family. And, and, and so it really was this kind of red light that flashed for me and said, hey, it's time to take a look and, and see if there was some things to do differently. Had this not happened with your mom, and I know you mentioned there were other things going on, but clearly a death to somebody that's close to you like that really does put things in perspective. Had that not happened, do you think you would have continued at that pace and possibly gotten to a point of no return, so to speak? Yeah, you know, so I have I have some spiritual beliefs around karma and around destiny. So I, I think I'm in a place that I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I would say something in life was going to jar me out of it, but I definitely think you know, just, if we just look at that one moment, if that hadn't happened, there was nothing stopping me. I mean, I just, I wasn't capable of, of stopping because everything that I was was tied up in that definition of Jason, you know, Jason, the businessman or Jason, the entrepreneur, or sure. Jason, the concert promoter, whatever, whatever title. With that, obviously, with a lot of our shows, we not only like to hear these stories, but to learn from them and share the experiences from the guests to our listeners. How about giving people some tools, tips, strategies for avoiding falling into that trap, so to speak? As you said, it's a, it's a tough balance. You take pride in your work. You want to succeed. But there obviously are can be consequences to that. What do you tell people in terms of not getting to that point or maybe handling things differently when you talk about your career and working? I think the first thing we have to understand is that we're where we're at because that's what we were programmed to do. All of us as little children from, from the very beginning were taught that we got love when we're good. Hmm. And whether that was saying mama or not throwing the food on the floor <laughs> or you know, getting a gold star at school or getting straight A's in high school or getting into the right college or whatever it is, we're constantly reinforced with we're loved when we're good and when we're not, we're bad. And so the first thing that I think is real important to remember is that we're doing exactly what we were taught to do. So there's no, gee, I really messed up or I'm so stupid or, you know, all those things just heap more guilt on us. So mm. when we have the realization that perhaps there's something more I want to explore in life, I think the starting point really is just that, okay, I've had, a, I've had an epiphany or I've had a thought about my life and now I want to go in a different direction. And so I really believe that it does start with a deep breath and many of them. And what I found as I started to breathe was that I couldn't, that I was so tight and so wound up around work and success and being a father and trying to be a husband and all of these things that, that we have in our lives that I couldn't breathe. And so I think frequent breathing is a really important thing. I mean, to the point of actually putting a reminder in our calendars <laughs> to just stop and take a couple breaths. Mm-hmm. And you really think about your day you get when things go wrong. We just, we constrict our breath and we just charge into to life. And it takes literally a couple seconds just to, you know, and, and, and just listen, listen to that sound. That's not a sound that we have in our daily business lives. Right. And that's, so that's fair <laughs> for me. That's, that's a really good starting point. And then I have three things that I do every day that I really believe make a huge difference. The first thing is that I start every day by stretching you can call it yoga, or you can just call it stretching if that's more comfortable. And really what I believe is that we want to be flexible in life. We want to be adaptable in business. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want to be fluid. And yet we have tight bodies that we haven't stretched since high school football. And so, <laughs> so waking up in the morning and really getting the body opened up is a chance for you to connect with your body and a chance for you to train your body 
to be what you want it to be in business. The second thing that I do every day is that I meditate. And again, we can, we can make meditation scary and complicated, or we can just say, I sit down for a little bit, I close my eyes, and I breathe. And that little bit just says to the, to the body, says to the soul, says to our entire being that we're loved, that we take care of ourselves. It gives us a moment away from all the hectic busyness of our lives just to kind of come in touch with ourselves. It's like a, it's like a private strategy planning with ourselves, right? It's just right. this time that we take to, to really prepare for the day. And then the third thing is I've learned to look at my body as a community, the same way that as a leader of a business, we would look at the community of people that work for us. And if we treat those people callously, if we don't listen to their concerns, if we work them night and day without a break or without proper nutrition, our business falls apart. And the same thing is true with the cells of our body. And so I really believe that drinking green juice, getting lots of leafy green vegetables um, into our diet, morning smoothies, those types of things, they're so much more than a diet fad. They're really the way that we tell ourselves, I appreciate what you're doing for me. I appreciate that we're going to pull an all-nighter tonight at the office. So I'm going to make sure that I pack my body with extra nutrients. Instead of what do we normally do is we pack it with a bunch of coffee or a fast food or you know, some kind of sugary substance. And what is that then saying to these, this group of cells that's working so hard for us? It's saying, I don't care about you. It's tantamount to screaming at your employees at 9, 9 p.m. when they're all still at the office working hard. Mm-hmm. We would, we'd never do that. Or if we did, we're just not very, <laughs> we're not very skilled leaders, but yet we do it to our bodies every day. So for me, breathe, stretch, take a moment to meditate or just quiet time within yourself and then give your body proper nutrients. And those things are what I have found really start to create that magic word of balance where we don't have to check out of business, but we do have to check into ourselves and check in with ourselves and take good care of ourselves in the process. With that in mind, mindfulness is a term that we hear a lot in terms of the workplace. And uh, again, it can relate to the idea of we're constantly jumping from one thing to another. How does that pertain to you when you hear mindfulness or when you preach mindfulness? What does that look like in the workplace if you're talking to somebody or if you're working with somebody? I never preach. <laughs> that's one thing, I, that's one thing I, I've taken from my days in business is I just hated people showing up, you know, who weren't living my life telling me, you know, what I ought to do. So sure. one thing is I try to share what I've learned and I am really comfortable that for some people, they're going to hear it and go, wow, that really lands for me. Mm-hmm. And other people, other people could take the book and throw it in the fire and say it doesn't work. And that's okay too, right? It's like we're all walking this, this path in our own our own unique way. So for me, mindfulness, you know, it is a, it's one of those buzzwords right now. Right. But I, I think it's as simple as being present to what you're doing. And so one of the beauties of true mindfulness is it requires nothing and it can be done wherever you're at. One of my teachers, Sharon Salzberg, says that meditation and, and mindfulness are the true mobile devices because they can really be used anywhere. And so I wrote a blog the other day for, for my website called Five Tools for Mindful Meetings. And it was the result of me observing myself in a meeting that I had recently had. And so things as simple as squeezing the pen and being aware of your fingers on the pen Hmm. and breathing as you do that, that's mindfulness. If we find our mind racing and we start getting nervous about what if the guy says no to me, well, we can look around the room and we can just become aware of 
perhaps the bright orange orange juice in a glass and we could take a breath and that's mindfulness. And as we learn to find little tools for ourselves like those that I just mentioned, another great one that I like to use when I find my breath getting a little agitated is that I just put my fingers on my knee under the table and then as I tap my fingers, I use that to create a cadence for my breath. So instead of either holding my breath or, you know, getting, getting <laughs> agitated, right. it just becomes a very calm with the cadence of my, of my fingers. And so all of these things are the definition of mindfulness. And I think they kind of take it out of this woo-woo space of, hey, what are all these guys over here talking about with this mindfulness stuff? And we really could start to see, wow, this can make me more effective in my job. This can make me more effective in my in my life. And at the end of the day, all of this is about being present where we're at. Mm -hmm. There's no good place and there's no bad place. So when we're at the office, just can we be present to what's actually going on versus the running of thoughts in our heads, which are usually negative thoughts about something bad that's going to happen. And I like how you phrase that there, uh, just especially the idea of instead of it being this theory of mindfulness and, as you said, a buzzword, but putting it into these actual scenarios. And uh, and as you mentioned there, it will help in the long run. I wanted to go back to something that you mentioned, at least you're talking about the boss that's yelling at somebody, even though they've been there for 12 hours and they're burning the midnight oil. When it comes to leadership, you know, a lot of people listening are going to be our general employees who say, you know, hey, I just, I feel like this constant pressure and I'm, I need to keep up and, and, and all of that goes into it. From a leadership standpoint, where do you fall? What would you have done differently, perhaps? Uh, you know, you obviously were in a powerful and a leadership position. You're talking about the CEO of Live Nation. Where do we fall in terms of leadership? Where's the responsibility? What can leaders do to help avoid this for all of their workers, including themselves? Yeah, I think on both sides of the question, it's a matter of really being compassionate. And again, compassion is another buzzword. So I'll give you my definition of compassion, which is simply seeing myself in other people. Mm. I think none of us set out to be jerks, right? No, no one as a little kid dreamed of being a, a boss who's a jerk, right? <laughs> or an employee who's a jerk. We all had dreams of motivating people and moving people and creating great products and creating great business and taking care of our families, making something of our lives, perhaps. I think what happens, though, is that we start to get caught in our head. And I know I did as a leader get caught in your head. And what starts to happen is that the only reality becomes your reality. And the only, and the problem is that the definition of my reality is whatever I'm thinking in my head. Right. So here I am sitting at my desk and we can imagine perhaps a part of my life, but I would venture to say that there's millions of people that this is, this exact scenario is part of their life right now. So in part of my life as a leader, I was in the middle of a divorce. My mom was sick. I was trying to raise two kids. And I came to work and people maybe didn't do things exactly the way I wanted to. And I exploded. Now, why did I explode? Because I thought no one understood. Hmm. Because I thought I was the only person going through this versus me looking at the myriad of people that I come in contact with and saying, wow, I bet that person's going through something too. And maybe being honest, maybe sharing what I'm going through, or at the very least, just releasing my grip on that this is my scenario and no one else understands to say, everybody here understands because everybody's human. And I think at the same time, as employees, when we see the boss in an angry mood, we almost immediately will jump to either I'm bad or he's bad. 
<laughs> or she's bad, right? right? Right. And what we also have an opportunity to say is, wow, perhaps my boss had an argument with her husband this morning. Perhaps my boss is trying to figure out how to raise her children. Perhaps my boss has a sick parent like I do. And when we do these things, we really start to connect around the common human experience, and it starts to take a little bit of the emotional charge out. Things still could be really tough, right? You know, my sister is a um, police dispatcher, and because of city budget cuts, she works five, 12 to 14-hour days a week. Hmm. That's really hard. You know, like, she'll come to me and say, like, you know, do you have tools? And I'll say, the first thing I want to say is, like, I really admire you. That's, That's really amazing. And then from there, we'll talk about tools on how to make that experience more enjoyable. So we can't always make everything, you know, unicorns and and roses, right? (laughs) Like sometimes things are just really tough, but I think we do on all sides of the business equation have the opportunity to recognize ourselves in the people we're dealing with. And when that happens, I think we develop more compassion and we tend tend to to approach things in a little bit gentler and, and kinder way. Jason, unfortunately, we are up against the clock here. I did want to say I do appreciate you bringing your personal experiences to us and being open with that. Um, And I definitely think listeners can relate to what you've been talking about on one side or the other. And hopefully they did take away some some nice points from our conversation. And of course, uh, they can check out the book And I Breathe if they want to see some more of this. But Jason, thank you for coming on and sharing with us today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And with that, we'll close out this edition of Moving Up the Ladder. We were speaking with Jason Garner, former CEO of Global Music at Live Nation. And he was here talking about some of the ways to avoid burnout, something he experienced himself. And he wrote about it in his book called And I Breathe. Definitely want to check that out if you're interested in this subject and some of the items that Jason talked about with us today. If you'd like to get in touch with us about this show or any of our episodes, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter, at the LJN. And go ahead and check out all of our episodes. You can find them on iTunes or at ljnradio.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Yuma. We'll talk to you later.